Something is terribly wrong when we worship Mother Earth rather than Father God. We're at the COP27, the one they're having here in Egypt, and I would say one of the most significant things that's happening here is the religious component of it. We're actually here on the Sinai Peninsula, and just yesterday, religious leaders from all over the world, Hindus, Buddhists, Christians, Muslims, Jews, came together and they did a big ceremony of climate repentance, and they came out with what they called a new Ten Commandments. Welcome to Understanding the Times Radio with Jan Markell, Radio for the Remnant. Brought to you by Olive Tree Ministries. Jan continues with some needed time off and filling in again this week is Pastor Mark Henry from Revive Church in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. Pastor Mark's guests include Pastor Tom Hughes of Hope for Our Times and 412 Church in San Jacinto, California, and Alex Newman, award-winning journalist, educator, and author. Every Christian wants to properly take dominion over the earth and care for it, but worship the earth? Yet a whole new religion has been born with an accompanying green agenda. How does the Christian deal with this 21st century obsession? Here is today's programming. Thanks for joining Understanding the Times Radio today, and thank you for your prayers on my behalf for this health setback with COVID. Pastor Mark Henry sits in for me this week and next, and then I hope to return Pastor Mark, it's all yours. The pyramids were lit up to welcome world leaders to the UN Climate Summit in Sharm el-Sheikh, Egypt. In what almost looked like an end-of-the-world trade show sponsored by Coca-Cola and other big corporations. This summit began as many others, with the dire warning that life on Earth will end if climate change isn't stopped. The clock is ticking. We are in the fight of our lives, and we are losing. We are on a highway to climate hell with our foot still on the accelerator. One has to wonder, however, whether this doomsday rhetoric can be trusted. After all, 50 years ago, the UN warned mankind had only 10 years to stop the catastrophe. 40 years ago, the UN said we have until the year 2000 to prevent the equivalent of a nuclear holocaust. And 15 years ago, the UN warned that if climate change wasn't stopped by 2012, it would be too late. The world has not only failed to end, CO2 emissions are 50% higher than they were 20 years ago. With even the UN now admitting its policies have failed, some want to throw even more money at the problem. After 26 previous summits and trillions spent on the climate, the UN still doesn't have a working blueprint to lower the Earth's temperature. For this 27th attempt, U.S. climate envoy John Kerry says what's needed are trillions of dollars more. There's also support for hundreds of billions in so-called loss and damage payments to poor nations, basically climate reparations. Joe Biden told this summit that the U.S. will become the world leader in fighting climate change. Young protesters kept interrupting the event, including Biden's speech, demanding more radical action be taken by world leaders to save the planet. Climate activist Greta Thunberg denounced this summit as a scam and greenwashing. That's when a company fakes its environmental commitment. But climate skeptic and author Mark Morano at this summit told us he saw more corporate sponsors than ever before. We've been completely corporatized. The main partners this year are everyone from Microsoft, Google, 
IBM and all these big corporate conglomerates that come in. Meta is here, the parent company of Facebook. Al Gore was there pushing his new Climate Trace Initiative, a global network that tracks down carbon emitters so they can be fined or shut down. For any nation that requests our assistance, Climate Trace can provide all of the assistance necessary, a complete inventory of all of the emissions from every major point source in its territory every year for free. Tracking every private entity to see how much CO2 with the explicit purpose of helping the United Nations enforce climate treaties. It's not far-fetched to think this climate trace CO2 monitoring will be following humans and monitoring us as well. Not far-fetched at all given that Google is one of Climate Trace's six funding organizations. Also, during the summit, clergymen held what was called the world's first multi-faith climate repentance ceremony to seek forgiveness for climate sins. Activists went up to Mount Sinai and smashed what were supposed to be the climate Ten Commandments. Ten new commandments. These shouldn't surprise us because in the book of Revelation, we are told that the last days would be filled with idolatry, immorality, blasphemy, and syncretism. Welcome to Understand the Times. I'm Mark Henry, filling in for Jan Markell. I think it's official. We're living in a pre-Christian world. As you look back in history, people would worship creation. By the grace of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ would be preached in these different lands. People would trust Christ. Revival would break out, influencing and changing those societies. And as those societies were changed and radically transformed and reflecting more of a Judeo-Christian worldview, the next generation would be moving towards a post-Christian worldview. And then eventually we move back to a pre-Christian worldview where people worship the creation rather than the creator. I would suggest to you that's what we're seeing in our day. As we kill our children, mutilate the young, affirm, fuel, and reaffirm sexual perversion, embrace the pagan practice of worshiping the creation rather than the creator of all things. The climate change cult is demanding our worship. Well, there's some questions that are posed to us today, and that's simply this. How scientific is the climate change science? Is man really destroying the world? Is the ocean really rising? Are these Ten Commandments a blasphemous act? And what about this promise of a third covenant, a covenant between man and the earth? Is this the repentance that God calls us to? To answer those questions and more, we have with us today Pastor Tom Hughes from 412 Church in San Jacinto, California founder of Hope for Our Times, and Alex Newman, an award-winning international journalist and president of Liberty Sentinel. Welcome, gentlemen. Great to be here. Thank you, Mark. It's an honor to be here. Thank you so much. Alex, you were just at COP27. Tell us the feel there. Was everyone eating bugs and denying themselves and living in moderation like the climate change people tell us that we should be doing? No, that would be way too sensible. It's the same every year. I've been going to these since 2009. One of the things that is most immediately apparent at these places is that these people do not practice what they preach. They show up in hundreds of private jets. They feast on caviar and steak and champagne. They stay at incredibly fancy hotels. We actually went around and asked some of these hotels, what do they charge per night? And we're talking thousands of dollars per night. Meanwhile, they're lecturing us that we need to ride our bicycles and eat bugs. I think for Christians who have been to very, very dark places, and this is a feeling I really first started getting a few years ago, but you feel like you're entering into an evil place and you sense that something very, very wicked is happening there. This year, I'm going to be doing my first first person piece about what it's like to be at one of these that should be published at the New American Magazine. 
I do want people to have some sense of what it's like to be at these because it's really surreal and you will not get an inkling of it from the American media. Well, the global change agenda has been pushed hard with the kids. In fact, Euro News just said 70% of 1,000 kids interviewed between 7 and 12 years old were worried about environmental change, specifically climate change. And so the question is, is this real science or not? Boston Globe had an interview with Richard Lindzen, professor of meteorology there at MIT. Just listen to what he says. If one asks about, is the temperature increasing or decreasing? It's always doing one or the other. I have no concern about that. By asking people to worry about whether it's going up or down, you're immediately establishing dishonesty. The earth is always changing. Climate change is nothing you have to prove. It always is happening. It always has happened. So to make that into something alarming seems to me a little bit weird. Sea level is a hard thing to measure, actually. At any given place, traditionally, sea level was measured by what are called tide gauges, a stick in the water, basically. And two things change what a tide gauge shows, the land moving up and down and the sea moving up and down. Most places, it's the land that is the biggest effect. So you don't have a good measure of sea level rise. On the other hand, for the last 30 years or so, we've had satellite measurements that are actually measuring sea level. It's very hard to relate these two measurements to each other. They were measuring different things. The general feeling is there is no evidence that it's different now than it has been for the last few thousand years. It's been slowly rising ever since the initial rapid rise after the deglaciation 12,000 years ago. The claim that we've suddenly seen a big change in that, given we've changed the instrumentation and given the error bars cover the difference, is not entirely fair. And to suggest that what's been going on for thousands of years is something we should suddenly be alarmed at also doesn't seem reasonable. Alex, you're an international journalist. You've gone and interviewed scientists from around the world. What have you discovered? This is total pseudoscience. From a scientific perspective, the idea that man's insignificant emissions of CO2 are controlling the climate or causing temperature increases or decreases, as they claimed back in the 1970s, even into the early 1980s, is preposterous. To give people some perspective, human emissions of CO2 make up a fraction of 1% of all the greenhouse gases that are in the atmosphere naturally. Nobody will disagree with that, including the most alarmist climate scientists. And one major volcanic eruption could dwarf all of humanity's CO2 emissions throughout all of human history combined. So really, the terror over CO2 is pseudoscientific. The rationale is very easy to explain. So from a scientific perspective, totally ridiculous, the idea that this is pollution. It's the gas we exhale. We exhale about two pounds of it every day. I've interviewed hundreds of scientists at this point on this question including Donald Trump's climate advisor, Dr. William Happer from Princeton University. He said the earth is starving for more CO2. He said the plants were designed to live in an atmosphere with far more CO2 than we have now. And there have been many times in Earth's history where CO2 levels have been four or five times as high as they are now, with no problems whatsoever with temperature and things like that. Even on the sea level question, I actually interviewed the lead sea level reviewer for the UN IPCC, Dr. Nils Axel Morner. He asked me to meet him on the coast of the Baltic Sea. And one of the first things he started explaining was that, look, you see this line here on this rock. This was put here by a Swedish king in the early 1700s, and that was the sea level at the time. Today, the sea level is about nine or 10 feet below where that mark was. And so he said, first of all, anybody who's talking about global sea levels doesn't know what they're talking about. He said there is no such thing as global sea level. You can have a rise in one part of the world and a decline in another part of the world. He said he has been measuring sea levels for 60 years in the Pacific Islands that are supposedly going to be the first ones to go underwater. He said there's been absolutely no increase in sea levels there, that they're just making this up. 
and that he told the UNIPCC this before they went to press with it and made these claims. He said he was ignored, so he resigned his post in the sea level section of the IPCC. From a scientific perspective, it makes no sense. The real issue here is why are they doing this? And I think the answer is almost self-evident. If you can tell people that the gas they exhale is a toxic pollution and that everything they do, right, turn on a light switch, eat some food, even when you die, your body releases large amounts of CO2. If you can tell them that that's pollution and needs to be regulated and taxed by the UN, you've got total control over every aspect of life, every aspect of the economy. And I think that's the real goal here. And I want to say just two more quick things, because a lot of people are listening out there are not scientists. They don't have a Ph.D. in climate studies. How can an average person know that this is not true? And there are several ways. One way is to go back and look at the predictions that these very same people have been making for decades. So I've done that repeatedly. Basically, every falsifiable prediction that they've ever made, falsifiable as in by this date, X is going to happen, has been proven incorrect. In many cases, the opposite of what they predicted has come to pass. And one very simple way that you can know that the very people at the top promoting this narrative don't believe it is the fact that they are right now, through these climate policies, encouraging more CO2 in the atmosphere. And that doesn't make sense to people until they realize what's happening here. Under the guise of stopping CO2 emissions, they're shutting down energy production in the United States. They're shutting down all sorts of infrastructure across the Western world. For perspective, Communist China releases now about three times more CO2 than the United States, almost double all the CO2 released by the Western world. And yet we're being told that we have to shut down industry in America and in Europe and in Japan, where CO2 emissions per unit of economic output are a fraction of what they are in China, while communist China continues to build coal-fired power plants. In fact, in the next few years, they're going to be bringing more coal-fired power plants online than the United States has in its entire fleet. The people who are pushing this stuff do not believe it themselves, and you can know that because if they did, the last thing in the world they would want to be doing is exactly what they're doing, shutting down energy and industry in America and shifting all that production over to communist China where it's going to result in drastically more CO2 in the atmosphere. One of the key things when things don't make sense, track the money. Let's listen to our MIT professor again. And the trouble is, all of us scientists are government employees. Even if we're working for private universities, all research is supported by the government. So as such, we're very sensitive to what politicians say and believe. Well, that's a shortcoming. You have to figure out how to fund science in a way that there are no incentives to artificially promoting things. Tom, what does that remind you of, this black hole of money disappearing? As you just look at what these individuals are doing in order to keep the money flowing, it's like whatever I need to say to make sure I continue to get the money. And I know this is totally unrelated to the subject of today, but we just look at the recent FTX cryptocurrency collapse. These people were doing whatever was necessary in order to keep money coming to them because we're now finding out where that money went. The Bible tells us the love of money is root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. We have people that are capitulating in the truth of God's word. They may have already known it. Doesn't mean they were genuine believers, but they understood it, pastors alike. They've strayed from the faith for the love of money. And I believe what Alex has witnessed with the COP27 and the previous climate meetings, ultimately it's about power, it's about money. The Bible warns us about this. It's been well said for thousands of years. Just follow the money trail and you can figure out what is really going on. You're listening to Understanding the Times. I'm Mark Henry filling in for Jan Markell today. 
Our guests are Tom Hughes from Hope for Our Times and Alex Newman, international journalist and president of Liberty Sentinel. The climate change agenda has been pushed for many years now. People are starting to embrace that. But now we're going to make it a religious requirement. Yes, Ten Commandments being created to be taught in your church. Let's listen to Rabbi Nuril, Interfaith for Sustainable Development. We've launched a Sinai Climate Partnership, which has released 10 universal principles for climate justice. And in the process of doing so, we've actually received media coverage in hundreds of outlets. And a number of people have made videos on YouTube that have now generated about a million views that have been oppositional to what we're trying to do. They, they think that this is one world religion, which it isn't. Each person in our sessions here at COP27, and we held a conference in Jerusalem, and with our partner, the Elijah Interfaith Institute, Climate Repentance Ceremony in London, in each event, each religious figure speaks based on the teachings of their tradition. We're not trying to meld all religions into one religion. We're just trying to prevent the Anthropocene, the great extinction event that humans are bringing upon the earth. We're doing this not because we think that we have some ulterior motive or other agenda. We're just trying to care for God's creation, and we're trying to enable the next generation to inherit a sustainable, thriving, and spiritually aware planet. You've probably read Exodus chapter 20, the Ten Commandments that God gave Moses on Mount Sinai, and now we have 10 additional commandments from the climate change community, and they expect us to embrace them. Alex, what are these 10 that they've given at Mount Sinai? I couldn't believe that they were really trying to come up with a new list of 10 commandments on Mount Sinai, of all places. But the Ten Commandments, they're written in a deliberately vague way so as not to arouse too much suspicion. But I'll read them real quick for people who are curious. We are stewards of this world. And right away, Christians should be hearing nails on a chalkboard, right? Creation manifests divinity. Everything in life is interconnected. Do no harm. Look after tomorrow. Rise above ego for our world. Change our inner climate. Repent and return. Every action matters. And use mind, open heart. So that's what they wrote on these tablets. As I was interviewing the ringleaders of this, one of the other co-founders of this whole operation, he's the CEO of the Peace Department. He said, yeah, we got a lot of bad press, but we just want to be clear. Uh, we're not replacing the Ten Commandments. These are just an addendum to the Ten Commandments. And by the way, we're now working on the Third Covenant. He said this with a straight face. What's important to understand here is that when they're talking about, for example, repenting, they're not talking about repenting for your actual sins for your lusting, for your lying, for your unfaithfulness. They're talking about repenting for your climate sins. Before unveiling these Ten Commandments, they did a big climate repentance ceremony where they repented for their CO2 emissions, their air travel, their steak eating. This is, of course, blasphemous. It's radically different from what God expects of us. And yet many self-proclaimed Christians were among the leaders and participants in this thing. Tom, why would they go to Mount Sinai? Help us understand what the significance of that is. Moses went to Mount Sinai and received the Ten Commandments. So I look at this and go, the whole thing is absolutely preposterous, but we can see how it all comes about. I remember saying years ago, when I first started looking at climate change policies, and I wrote about them in my first book, but years before that, I said, these climate laws are going to come about, and they're going to transform our world. They're going to be more oppressive than any laws we've ever had. Even when COVID began, I said, look, you think this is rough? Wait till the climate laws are forced upon us. And I said, it will become a religion. And that's exactly what has happened. So we have Moses. 
he receives the Ten Commandments. This is the enemy of our souls, and I think we need to understand the spiritual dynamic that's behind this. It is dark, it is of the devil, but the devil is not an originator. He's a copycat, so he's gonna copy whatever God has done. In the days of Moses, when it came to Pharaoh, what's Pharaoh have? He has his magicians do the same thing Moses was doing. So he's copied the Ten Commandments. In my mind, Mark, it's pretty easy to figure out that we'd get a set of 10 climate commandments because of that very reason. With that, also the hypocrisy of it, like Alex mentioned, we need to repent of our steak eating while they're eating caviar and steak at the COP27 meeting. But they're forcing these things upon all of the people and making you feel guilty or you're part of the problem. I look at that also as Jesus himself saying in the Gospel of Luke in the Olivet Discourse, men's hearts will fail them from the fear and expectation of the things that are coming upon the planet. These fears are driving people to be willing to submit for the last three years. But the Bible tells us, Proverbs chapter 29, the fear of man is a snare, it's a trap. And that's the direction we are going. Just listening to the Ten Commandments that Alex read, I'm thinking these all play on the emotion. So you put the people in a place of fear. We've got to end this. Look at all the things we've done. Then they bring in the emotional part. And we live in a society, especially in the Western world, where emotions matter, facts don't. The universities teach you to be dependent upon your emotions. People make their decisions based on emotions, not on facts. And we can see the rise of this new religion, the Romans chapter one religion. Baby, it's coming. And the people are being told and they're willingly submitting to the worship of Mother Earth. And it's just like that Antichrist scenario that you described there, Tom. My grandfather was born in 1922. The Ten Commandments hung in his schoolroom. He learned the Ten Commandments in the public school system growing up. We've taken those down. I promise you these Ten Commandments that have been given by man, not by God on Mount Sinai, what a mockery of God, are going to end up being in school books. And so we take down God's Ten Commandments and we put up man's Ten Commandments And it reminds me what Jesus said in his day. He said, why do you neglect the commandments of God only to teach the commandments of men? Well, it's not only the Ten Commandments, but now there's a new covenant, as if the old covenant that Jesus came and fulfilled, and Jesus creates the new covenant with the shedding of his blood. When you've had communion, you've probably heard a pastor quote 1 Corinthians chapter 11, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Listen to this. There are many nations here negotiating on how we solve the climate crisis, and The entertainment world has kind of gotten full of a lot of messaging, but also a lot of noise. One conduit for reaching millions upon billions of people around the world is religion. There are six and a half billion faithful around the world, and all religions teach us to respect the creation that we have been given. And we've done kind of a terrible job of that. So with a new kind of Ten Commandments of Climate Change, which are an addendum to, not a replacement for, the original Ten Commandments, and a third covenant that we're kind of working on between mankind and creation. A third covenant, a covenant between man and creation. Tom, tell us about the new creation that we have in Christ Jesus, the new promise that we have through his blood, and how this would contrast that. Completely the opposite. Again, this is a man-made religion, and really the worship of earth has been around since the beginning. But we look at the truth of what it is in Christ. If anyone's in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. We are forgiven. We are transformed. That is that covenant. And again, you go right back to the devil. What's he got to do? He has to copy. Hey, that covenant that Christ said, that was a really good idea. 
I'm going to give them a new covenant. And because people are man-centered, they're going to go for this. Apart from being Christ-centered and born again, understanding these things, the climate laws, it makes sense to people if they do not have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them, if they have not been forgiven in Christ Jesus, because they're not a new creation. There are people who are seeing the absurdity of all of this, and praise God for that, and they're saying, wait a minute, I have questions. Something's wrong here, and praise God for that, because they're coming to people like us saying, hey, does the Bible have any answers on these things? Indeed, the Bible does give us the answers, but the reality of it is, apart from a person being in Christ, unless Christ draws you to him and you surrender to him, you're going to be set up to fall for these lies that are coming. This isn't a new covenant. This is a lie of the devil, and we need Christ, and Christ is the one who actually transforms a person from the inside. Listen, we are forgiven, and indeed, old is gone, the new has come. You're a new person in Christ Jesus. Alex, in a minute and a half, share with us what you felt as you heard these religious leaders talking about this third covenant. It was actually very difficult to try to maintain my composure while I'm listening to all this. You know, I'm there as an accredited journalist. I'm not supposed to be letting my opinion show, but as I'm hearing this, I'm thinking, my goodness, this guy has a God complex. What person could be possessed with the idea that they can add an addendum to the Ten Commandments? That, of course, the original ones were delivered by God himself. What person could be so arrogant to believe that they could usher in a new covenant? But it actually goes right along with what the U.N. laid out even before the COP27 started. They put out a big report called Uncertain Times, Unsettled Lives. And I'm quoting from the document here. Evolutionary processes and ethical reasoning may have interacted in reaching the current prevailing configurations of behaviors and institutions. In other words, our moral and ethical system evolved with humans over thousands of years. But they go on to say then that today's times have novel elements that present new challenges, and those configurations may not be a good match. And then they just tell you right here, we need a new system of morality. Here's what it says. Uncertainty can be a source of knowledge to be mobilized to act differently, something that empowers individuals and societies to adopt fundamental changes in choices that leads people to act according to new moral codes. So this is the secular side of the UN saying the old ethical structure, obviously based on the Ten Commandments, is no longer applicable. We need a new moral code that will help us care for Mother Earth. Yeah, it goes back to, again, man asserting his authority over God. This is total blasphemy. Friends, when we come back, are American evangelicals the problem or the solution in the climate change crisis? Here's another question for you. What gospel will you be hearing in your church in 2023? The UN has a specific gospel that they want to make sure that your church communicates. All this and more coming up in Understanding the Times. We hope you'll stay in touch with us online through olivetreeviews.org. That's olivetreeviews.org. You can call us Central Time at 763-559-4444. That's 763-559-4444. Write us through the mail at Olive Tree Ministries in Jan Markell, Post Office Box 1452, Maple Grove, Minnesota, 55311. That's Post Office Box 1452, Maple Grove, Minnesota, 55311. All gifts are tax deductible. In the age of fake news and false teaching, thank you for trusting Olive Tree Ministries. As 2022 winds down, all of us at Olive Tree Ministries want to thank our loyal listeners, donors, prayer warriors, and all who partner in our activities we have throughout the year. 
but we began live on air in April 2001 out of Salem Media's Twin City stations. Due to demand, we moved quickly to a two-hour format. By 2004, we began our expansion plan and would end up with almost 900 radio stations and dozens more electronic audiences that reached destinations in dozens of countries. We rarely ask for money, but we are quick to say thank you for covering our extensive radio expense over the 21 years on air, online, on podcast, on video, and on his channel, Christian TV. We wouldn't do this without you, so thank you to each and every one of you as together we make Last Day's Watchmen on the wall. They're not repenting of their own lust, but they're willing to say we shouldn't be drinking out of plastic water bottles anymore. I probably shouldn't go out for a steak tonight. To us, it's absolute foolishness. To them, we're the ones who are fools. We know you can't always be by a radio, so catch Understanding the Times Radio at your convenience online. Watch the video version of the program or listen to the audio at olivetreeviews.org, then to radio on YouTube, on Rumble, on LightSource, on our social media, and on his channel, Christian TV. Again, our thanks to Pastor Mark Henry from Revive Church in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota, for sitting in for Jan Markell this week. Jan will be back in a couple of weeks. Here's the conclusion to today's programming with Pastor Mark's guest, Alex Newman and Pastor Tom Hughes. What are your thoughts on some of the evangelical opposition to working with other religions and getting involved in the climate debate and all these things. Thanks for that question. I personally come from Germany and I'm working a lot in the European context. So what is interesting to know about world evangelicalism in that sense is that we are a global movement with many, many different expressions. And the question often is much more what unites us than rather what divides us because there are many, many questions and issues where evangelicals in different parts of the world think differently about things. But at the same time, there's a certain orientation to really take the Bible seriously, to take it as the Word of God, and to live a, a life where you carry your faith beyond Sunday into your week. We want to bring it down on this very, very small sort of common ground. This is what evangelicalism is. Why am I saying this? Because Unfortunately, sometimes evangelicalism is associated with climate skepticism, mm -hmm. with being against any form of climate action, because we have loud voices in the US and we have loud voices also in Brazil. And this is challenging for our work as well in the World Evangelical Alliance Sustainability Center, because we also know another form of evangelicalism. And we see it in Europe, we see it in Africa, we see it also in Southeast Asia, where we have believers connected to the World Evangelical Alliance who are really saying, this is part of our theology, this is part of my Bible, this is part of what God says and what God wants me to implement in my life, to give my faith hands and feet. Welcome back to Understanding the Times Radio. I'm Mark Henry, filling in for Jan Markell. Today our guests are Pastor Tom Hughes from Hope for Our Times and Alex Newman international journalist and president of Liberty Sentinel. Gentlemen, we are told that there's this new evangelicalism that embraces these new Ten Commandments, that embraces this worship of creation. 
And as I have studied history, biblical history, and then, of course, church history, evangelicalism has always revolved around someone coming to a personal understanding that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died on the cross, that he paid for sins, that he rose again the third day, and they personally trust in Christ. That's historically how the term evangelical has been used. Is this a pseudo-new historical moment where evangelicalism, that term, is going to be taken in a different direction? Absolutely. It is a religion that is forming, and these leaders are going to use it to get world compliance because you have people in the world that say, well, my Bible teaches me to be this way. Well, what way? It comes down to the worship of Mother Earth. So they've already instituted Ten Commandments and the New Covenant. So, of course, this is easy transition. And if you're of this old evangelical mindset where you must come to faith in Christ by repenting of your sins and surrendering to him alone, and you believe in being born again, well, that's a problem. Because people like us, we believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him, exactly as he said. So Satan has to hijack that whole concept of the truth of Christ. But the problem I see, Mark, is that within the church, it's pastors. Many of them do not believe that the Bible is true, that the Bible can be trusted. There's many pastors that you and I both know that say, hey, you need to do things like unhitch yourself from the Old Testament. The Bible is archaic. We need to get this into the 21st century and this 21st century thought. We now have this new truth. It's a religion. In a sense, it's not a new religion. It's always been here from the pit, but it's coming about and people believe it because they don't believe the truth of the Bible. Yeah, I was blown away when he said American and Brazilian evangelicals are the problem. I'm sitting there thinking they're the ones that are holding on to Jesus as Lord God and Savior, the only way to heaven. They're the ones holding on to the Bible. They're the ones warning about men's doctrines coming and overtaking or moving people away from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Satan would probably agree American and Brazilian evangelicals are the problem. I was reminded of what Jesus said, beware of the broad road. It leads to destruction in Matthew or you will know them by their fruit. As I just sat there, Alex, and was watching everyone and the comments they were making, what was happening in your mind as you're thinking about the fruit in these individuals' lives, and here they're talking about this new religion, the new Ten Commandments, and this plight of American evangelicals pushing against this? This is satanic. Tom mentioned it earlier, and I think to a lot of people who are just starting their relationship with Christ, it sounds a little bit extreme. Like, really? I mean, this is satanic. But Jesus Christ explains twice, he's quoted in the gospel, saying that you're either with me or you are against me. Anything that is against what Christ teaches us is, by definition, antichrist. And the things that are being taught here by these so-called religious leaders are clearly against what Christ taught. This idea that we need to obsess about the well-being of the planet or our CO2 emissions, We know what's going to happen to this planet, right? God is going to create a new heavens and a new earth. For us to organize our entire lives around this hoax of climate change is so clearly unbiblical. They've been working on this for a very long time. And in 2019, they actually had a major international meeting in Germany called Global Alliance of Religions, the 10th World Assembly of Religions for Peace. They had all kinds of senior religious leaders, including a top-level representative from the Vatican, some supposed American liberal evangelicals who don't actually trust the Bible as the inspired, inerrant Word of God. And they came together with funding from the UN, funding from the Rockefellers, American taxpayers through the State Department, George Soros. 
They came up with this final declaration, and I'm going to quote from it here. We urge religious communities to invest their resources in alignment with achieving the sustainable development goals. Those sustainable development goals were developed by the governments of the world. The dictatorship in communist China, ruthless persecutor of Christians, actually boasted that they played a crucial role in developing this. They go on to say all these religious leaders, again, put their names on this. We commit to human development as set forth in the sustainable development goals. They talk about how all religions have the same values. We all pretty much believe the same thing. We're all going in the same direction. And for a Christian, that is simply not true. What fellowship hath Christ with Belial? What fellowship hath light with darkness? None whatsoever. And so when somebody tells me that I, as a Christian who have my faith and my trust in Jesus Christ, believe essentially the same thing as a pagan who Paul says are making sacrifices to demons, it's blasphemous. And yet the religious component of this is absolutely essential to the broader agenda with a new moral system, a new ethical system. And what we're going to find as time goes on is that American evangelicals, Brazilian evangelicals, actually right before I went to this UN summit, I taught in a Brazilian evangelical church here in Florida. And man, they are on fire for the Lord. They're not worried about their CO2 emissions. They're worried about people whose souls are going to be going to hell for all eternity if they don't come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is what we should be concerned about as Christians, not somebody's carbon footprint. Because the Great Commission is about the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, we all want to have clean air. All of us want to have clean water. All of us like going to the mountains and seeing clean lakes. All of those things are great. But Tom, you've preached through the book of Revelation. What is the outcome on the earth by Jesus's judgment on this creation that the UN is saying we should worship? Let me start with this, with the UN. In front of the building at the UN in New York, they have taken a quote out of the book of Isaiah saying, they will beat their swords into plowshares. They take the very word of God and apply it to themselves as if they are God. Now, I find that interesting because the UN and everybody else who believes like them completely rejects the Bible. But it's funny how they take the Bible and say we're God by essentially applying it to themselves. So they have their godlike mannerisms with all of these climate laws that they are going to force on everybody. And the majority of people are going to go along with it. And there is going to be global warming when the judgment of the tribulation period comes, that seven-year tribulation period. Talk about global warming. Revelation chapter 16 tells us there's going to be global warming. It's going to be so hot that people, their skin's going to burn right on their body. Trees are going to be burnt up. The hypocrisy of these people is off the charts. They say we've got to drive electric vehicles. The reality of it is the making of electric vehicles destroys more of the environment than coal or petroleum. They claim to care about the people. we got to care about all the poor people of the world. Well, in order to create these electric vehicles, they got to mine in areas of South America and Africa where these child labor is awful. But the real destruction to the planet will come. God is going to do it. And then God's going to remake this world because man essentially destroys it anyways. It's going to be beautiful when Jesus comes back. But until then, we got to deal with their fears that they keep forcing on everybody. They're manipulating the masses is what they're doing with all of these things. And they're going to get to the point where because of climate laws, we're going to be told where we can and can't live. You can't eat meat. We hear about this all the time. The bugs that you already mentioned earlier in the program. These things are coming, but it's all part of this oppressing the masses of the people, subduing them into the system that is coming. So in Revelation 16, as I was reflecting on this a couple of years ago, we went down to a leadership conference in the southern states here. There was about 15,000 leaders from around the country. 
And I had several young seminary students there, and there was a guy, he got up and he was preaching that the church needs to embrace this UN agenda and saving Mother Earth. And I was having dinner with some of the seminary students afterwards, and I asked him, I said, you know, who's the greatest polluter in history? One immediately said the U.S., and I said no, and another one said, well, it must be China, and I said no. And I said, have you ever read the book of Revelation? I was kind of disheartened that these seminary students hadn't read Revelation 16 or chapter 9 or chapter 6, but in chapter 16, it says this, in the second bowl judgment, that God's wrath will come upon the sea. And it says everything in the sea died. In verse four, it describes the third bowl judgment. And it talks about the rivers and the springs and how they become blood. In verse eight, the fourth angel, it says the bowl, the wrath of Jesus is poured out on the sun and it is given to it to scorch men with fire and men will be scorched with severe heat And what will they do? They will blaspheme the name of God who has power over all the plagues, and they will not repent so as to give him glory. So we're living in these days when people are thinking that they can save the earth. And Jesus is saying this earth was created for man's good. Man is supposed to have dominion over it. Man is supposed to use it to care for those who are made in his image. Instead, asserting to be God, they're going to end up opposing the Lord Jesus. Now, I just want to have you guys respond to another comment here made by the representative from the World Evangelical Alliance. He's describing the fact on how their mission is to bridge the gap between the UN and your local church. Some of the skepticism, some of the where people are against, this also has to do with lack of knowledge and with a little bit of feeling insecure because this difficult and technical world of the UN I don't really know how to handle this. So this is our task as a World Evangelical Alliance Sustainability Center to bridge the gap. Bridging the gap between the UN and your local church. Are they really expecting pastors to be teaching these new Ten Commandments, Alex? Yeah, they absolutely do. One of the things that Rabbi Jonathan Narrell said, he is the founder of the Interfaith Center for Sustainable Development. He actually called for leveraging faith communities to move the needle on climate advocacy. And so they're talking here about using religious communities, using religious leaders for very nefarious political purposes. They believe that the UN has a role to play here in bringing the churches, the synagogues, the mosques all on board with rallying around this UN agenda. The UN has a long and very interesting history with religious ideas and even the occult. The Assistant Secretary General Robert Mueller, who was a very influential figure within the UN, he wrote a number of incredibly blasphemous books And in one of them, he actually refers to the United Nations, a collection of governments, many of them mass murdering dictatorships that ruthlessly persecute Christians. He referred to this UN as the body of Christ. One of his inspirations, and and he actually openly cited her a number of times, was a lady called Alice Bailey, very unknown to people around the world, but a very influential figure in the occult and the New Age movement. She was actually the founder of the Lucifer Publishing Company. She published a magazine called Lucifer. She claimed to be communicating with these spiritual entities that she referred to as ascended masters. The top of the hierarchy of these ascended masters she was talking to was called the Tibetan. And of course, if you read your Bible, these are obviously demonic forces. But she talks about her and her demons talk about in her books that we're moving toward this new age where all the religions of the world are going to be coming together. And the worst possible thing is what she describes as the great heresy of separateness. And this is, when he's talking about American and Brazilian evangelicals, these are people who take the Bible seriously, who want to be in the world but not of the world, who want to be holy, who want to be separate, who don't want to participate in these worldly and ultimately diabolical pursuits. 
So there is a very dangerous religious undercurrent that's run through the UN for many decades, and only now it's starting to bubble up to the surface and people are seeing it. You are listening to Understanding the Times Radio. I'm Mark Henry filling in for Jan Markell. Today our guests are Tom Hughes from Hope for Our Times and Alex Newman, president of Liberty Sentinel. When you think about spirituality and you think about sins, your perception may be completely different than others around you. Listen carefully to this next clip. I would like to call on Rabbi Yonatan Nerel of the Interfaith Center for Sustainable Development in Jerusalem. The ecological crisis is a spiritual crisis. It's a crisis of how we live as spiritual beings in a physical reality. And the question is, when will religion, the sleeping giant, wake up to address the ecological crisis? Over the past number of months, we've worked to promote 10 universal principles for climate justice, which were formulated by the Elijah Board of World Religious Leaders and released a couple days ago at a climate repentance ceremony in London. And another group was at Mount Sinai with these tablets. Some people think that perhaps it's a little sacrilegious to talk about 10 universal principles for climate justice. But I think it's sacrilegious to degrade God's creation. Is this the spiritual problem that Jesus talks about, Pastor Tom? Not hardly. The guilt that these people are laying is really quite amazing, but there's so many people that will succumb to it. Pastors already mentioned have already gotten away from teaching and believing the truth. But when we start putting all of this together, Mark, I cannot help but think of all kinds of scriptures that point to this. Second Timothy chapter 3, Paul writes, In the last days perilous times will come. Then he gives the selfish characteristics of people, and then he says they will have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. And then he says, from such turn away. So you talk about the separatists, that's what we're considered. Indeed, we are, because this world is not our home. We're in the world, but not of this world. Our citizenship is in heaven. But they are forming this whole system that I would equate to the system of the beast, all tied in together, this religious aspect of it, to the place where the people worship the creation rather than the creator, will have a form of godliness, but deny the power, deny the truth thereof. That's what's happening. So they lay on the guilt, they bring on the fear. And if you don't comply as a pastor, the pressure's gonna be on. Mark, I remember we had conversations a couple years back when COVID came around and we decided, hey, we're keeping our churches open. The pressure was there to close the doors. And it came from our peers. It came from people who are part of the congregations. And still to this day, there are certain labels that people give us. But one of my concerns, and I know we addressed it with each other, was, hey, if we don't keep the doors open now, what's going to happen in the future when the pressure is much more difficult to keep the doors open? And I was already thinking about climate laws coming and the rules and regulations, but the peer pressure is going to grow. Because we weren't loving before, well, how much more we're not loving now? The whole principle about being a good steward of God's creation, it's all tied in with this. But it reminds me also of 1 Timothy chapter 4, in the last days, the doctrines of demons will be taught, deceiving spirits, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared as if with a hot iron, commanding that you don't eat foods which are given to us by God, which God says are to be received with thanksgiving. This all ties into it. But what is coming, and it's coming fast, is this doctrine of demons coming into the church. And I'm convinced that most churches are going to go along with it. Just like in the days of Nazi Germany, most pastors went along with it. They didn't want to push against the regime. They wanted to live in peace. 
and I see this is coming back in a much more aggressive way this time, much more subtle, but the peer pressure is going to be intense. And I'm just afraid that the majority of pastors are going to capitulate to this as we already see the pendulum swinging in that direction. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 talks about the great apostasy that has to take place before the man of lawlessness is revealed. And so that would be consistent with the scriptures, Tom. The question is, what does this repentance, they're calling us to this repent of your sins against the world. What would their actions be like? Metanoia, the Greek word for repent means change your mind, but that change of mind always has a change of action that follows. So what do they actually have in mind? Well, just listen to this. So as we move forward, we're going to be working on activating houses of worship and communities around the world to engage in climate action. That can be cleaning the streets, that can be getting renewable or reusable water bottles, that can be planting trees, that can be mission work, and hopefully we'll be wrangling some of that around Earth Day. So we get rid of the Ten Commandments, we create a new Ten Commandments, we call people to repent, and these are the action points. Were these the action points of the early church in the book of Acts? No, I mean, when we think about it, it's absurd. But I guess to those people who believe these things, we're the absurd ones, right? We're the ones that are crazy. But to repent is to not use a plastic water bottle. Whatever happened to repenting of adultery, repenting of lust, repenting of the line, these sins, repenting of being a thief, all these different things that we're supposed to repent of, repent of being a sinner, and I'm going to surrender my life to Christ. I am going to change my mind, and I am going to follow Christ. Instead, it's nothing to do with that. In fact, Mark, this is really interesting because Second Peter chapter 3, where Peter writes there, he says, in the last days, scoffers will come walking according to their own lusts, saying, where's the promise of his coming? So they'll make fun of people like us who are saying, hey, the things we need to repent of are the sins that we commit, and we need to surrender to Christ and recognize he's coming again. But what are they doing? They're walking according to their own lusts. We see that happening. They're not repenting of their own lust, but they're willing to say, we shouldn't be drinking out of plastic water bottles anymore. I probably shouldn't go out for a steak tonight. To us, it's absolute foolishness. To them, we're the ones who are fools. Yeah, repent of these things and then totally blaspheme and totally resist God in the Ten Commandments that he gave. And let's just finish up our time together and show the contrast. So we're supposed to repent of our sins against Mother Earth and ignore God. Let's talk about the Respect for Marriage Act quickly. Alex, am I a racist for not embracing this? That's a preposterous idea, but it is one that is now being openly pushed by the establishment, and it actually fits perfectly with what we're talking about here. They're trying to design a new system of morality where our real sins are not taking proper care of Mother Earth. So what you'll find is that the solution to these alleged sins, like in the case of the marriage, they're saying that we've been discriminatory and bigoted because we didn't accept homosexual marriage for thousands of years of human history, and that the solution is now to persecute everyone who clings to God's definition of marriage. And it goes perfectly with what we're talking about here on the climate issue. They're saying that our climate sins include having too many children, right? Well, it was God who commanded us to be fruitful and to multiply. We're being told that private property is sinful and that it's part of the problem with the environmental issues and the climate change things. And so we're being told now in Agenda 2030, the call is very explicit, that we need to redistribute all the wealth of the world. Well, God said, thou shalt not steal. Calling it wealth redistribution doesn't make it any less stealing than coming to your house and pointing a gun at your face. 
So what we're dealing with here is a totally inverted system of morality that leads to a totally inverted society, civilization, government, and even family structure. So if you really want to understand where all this is going, the Disrespect for Marriage Act is a very good example. Just take everything God teaches and flip it upside down. We're even seeing this now with gender. Who would have thought 10 years ago that you would be called nasty names because you agree with the Bible that God created the male and female? And yet here we are, and we're going to see much, much more of this in the years ahead. Christians who are not prepared, Christians who are not studying God's Word diligently, people who don't have the Holy Spirit living inside of them to help with discernment are going to be deceived, just like so many of these people pushing this new religious movement, this new understanding of marriage, are massively deceived. Just this week, we heard a pastor preaching that Jesus was transgender. How would you guys respond to that? This is the doctrines of demons. That's what that is that has come into the church. Again, this is what the Bible did tell us it was going to look like in the last days. Alice, you were talking about the disrespect of marriage act. Again, my mind goes to that same passage, 1 Timothy chapter 4, where Paul writes, in the last days they will forbid to marry. Years ago, I wonder, well, how's that going to work out? Well, we can see that the trend, all of these things are going this way, but I'm convinced that a lot of this that we see, I mean, almost everybody, just a half a brain cell, you can tell there's differences between male and female. You don't call the vet and the vet says, well, is your dog a male, a female, or a they? I mean, it's a male or female. Everybody knows these things. So what's really happening is this massive state of confusion, and it's going to lead people to a place of surrender. It's brainwashing. Mark, you opened up earlier in the program, the kids 7 to 12 years old, 70% of them are afraid of climate change. Listen, these fears are brought upon people to the point where people are going to look and say, man is our savior. Man has the answers. And that's what they want. And as Alex said, they're going to take away our property, wealth redistribution, what a lie it is. But what's going to happen? There's going to be these rich people at the top. They're going to own everything. Cambridge University Dean has been supporting and backing the idea of Jesus being a transgender. Alex, how did they come to that conclusion? Yeah, there's been several efforts to paint Jesus as a transgender. In fact, the Swedish Lutheran Church, which up until a few years ago was the established church of Sweden, actually they painted a transgender Jesus on the wall of one of their beautiful churches. This has been endorsed by their religious leaders. They have now put their stamp of approval on homosexuality and transgenderism to the point where they have now started even describing Jesus as transgender. So the level of blasphemy here is so outrageous. I think Tom hit the nail on the head with doctrines of demons. And all of this also makes me think of Romans 1, people suppressing the truth of God in their unrighteousness. They don't want to know God. They don't want to know the attributes of God, even though he's made them plain for everyone to see. And so then we see what happens next. God hands them over to a depraved, reprobate mind where they say things like Jesus is transgender, where they completely reject God's divinely created order for sexuality and for gender. And I think we're going to see much, much more of it in the years ahead to the point where anybody who resists, and resist we must. It's interesting, they talk about the Elijah board. Elijah very, very brazenly went and mocked the priests of Baal and pointed out that this is evil, this is fraudulent. And I think as Christians, we need to be prepared to take a stand in love and in truth. And we need to be prepared for persecution because as these crazy ideas become more and more mainstream, people who speak the truth will be hated more and more. And that's what we're headed to very rapidly. Tom, Alex, thank you for joining us today on Understanding the Times. Satan is working his master plan of idolatry, immorality, and syncretism. Thank you again for helping us see through some of the deception of this day. Tom, how do people find out more about your ministry? 
Best way is to go to hopeforourtimes.com. Everything is right there. Or download my app, same name, Hope for Our Times. Alex, how do people find out more about your ministry? LibertySentinel.org. I've got a lot on there. And then if people are interested in the climate reporting that I did in Egypt, you can find that at thenewamerican.com. Friends, I want to leave you with a verse. It's Romans 16, 20. It says, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. You are the love song we'll sing forever. Contact us through our website, olivetreeviews.org. That's olivetreeviews.org. Call us Central Time at 763-559-4444. That's 763-559-4444. We get our mail when you write to Olive Tree Ministries and Jan Markell, Box 1452, Maple Grove, Minnesota, 55311. That's Box 1452, Maple Grove, Minnesota, 55311. All gifts are tax deductible. You have a front row seat as we watch the church age wind down. We may be approaching the last act. Count it a privilege to be a part of this generation as we watch the countdown and see everything fall into place. 